No start with questions to the Prime Minister. Helen Hayes. Question number one, Mr Speaker. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The degrading strip search of Child Q two years ago in a school that should have been a safe place at the hands of police officers who she should have been able to trust has caused anger and distress across the country. On Monday, the policing minister failed to answer four separate questions in this chamber, asking when he first knew about Child Q and what urgent action he took in response. So I asked the Prime Minister, when did he first hear about the strip search of Child Q in her school, and whether he believes that the characteristic dither and delay of his government in responding to this appalling case is remotely acceptable when it comes to the safety of children. Mr Speaker, I think that is a completely ridiculous characterisation of the response of of the government because, uh, because of course, the the reports of this incident are deeply distressing and and deeply uh, concerning. Everybody uh, everybody shares her feelings about that, Mr Speaker, but the Metropolitan Police have rightly apologised and the IOPC is investigating, and for that reason it would not not be right to comment further. Sir Oliver Hill. Thank you, Mr Speaker. People across North East Hertfordshire are coming together to provide support and refuge to families fleeing the invasion in Ukraine. Uh, The Baldock and District Action Committee are about to welcome four families uh, to our community. And doesn't he agree with me that this shows the open-hearted generosity of the British people? And will he continue to do all that he can with the Refugees Minister to make this process as simple and speedy as possible? I thank my uh, honourable friend and I also uh, thank all those involved in the two uh, big schemes that we have now for welcoming people uh, from Ukraine and the Homes for Ukraine uh, scheme is now open. I think about uh, 40,000 have already applied, 150,000 homes across this country, people, families across this country have said they want to welcome uh, Ukrainians. That's a fantastic thing. I thank uh, Bulldog uh, and District uh, for helping to lead the way. The Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 800 loyal British workers fired over Zoom, instantly replaced by foreign agency workers shipped in on less than the minimum wage. If the Prime Minister can't stop that, what's the point of his government? Well, Mr Speaker, we we condemn the callous behaviour of P&O. I think that it is no way to treat hard-working uh, employees, and I can tell him that we will not sit by, uh, Mr Speaker, because, uh, because under Section 194 of the Trades Union and Labour Relations Act of 1992, it looks to me, Mr Speaker, as though the company concerned has broken the law. And we will be taking action, therefore, and we'll, we will be encouraging uh, workers themselves to take action under the 1996 Employment Rights Act. Both acts, Mr. Speaker, passed by Conservative governments. And, and, uh, and if the company is found guilty, uh, then they face fines running into millions of pounds, Mr. Speaker. And in addition, uh, we will be taking steps to protect 
all mariners who are working in UK waters and ensure that they are all paid the living wage, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, when Owen Paterson was on the ropes, the Prime Minister was prepared to rip up the entire rule book to save his jobs. P&O workers want to, him to show the same fight in relation to them. The Government had advance warning of these mass sackings. A memo was sent to the Transport Secretary and to the Prime Minister's office, but they didn't lift a finger to stop them. Did the Prime Minister not understand the memo, or did he just not bother to read it? Prime Minister. Uh, I think what, uh, what the Right Honourable Gentleman needs to rip up, Mr Speaker, is his pre-scripted questions. I've just answered the question, and the, the, point, the, point at issue, the point at issue, Mr Speaker, is whether or not the government was properly notified, and, it doesn't, and it's not about what happens the previous evening. I knew about it on the Thursday it became public. But the, the company concerned has a duty uh, to notify the government 45 days, uh, Mr Speaker, before they take action of that kind. That is why we're taking the action that we are to protect hard-working people. And what we're also doing, by the way, Mr Speaker, this month is lifting the living wage for all workers across our country uh, by another £1,000. So it's up £5,000 since 2015. I think the Prime Minister just said he knew about it on the day. Yeah. I take it from that answer the Prime Minister didn't read his WhatsApp briefing. Surely not. Let's test his rhetoric. Mr Speaker, since the Prime Minister came to office, P&O have received over £38 million of government contracts and the parent company, DP World, is lined up for £50 million of taxpayers' money under the Freeport scheme. The government is apparently reviewing these contracts, but reviews don't save, save jobs. Can the Prime Minister guarantee, guarantee that these companies will not get a penny more of taxpayers' money or a single tax break until they reinstate the workforce? Mr Speaker, I think what the House has already heard is that we are taking legal action against the, against the, yes we are, against the company concerned under, under the 1992 uh, Employment uh, and Trades Union and Labour Relations uh, Act and that is the, the right thing to do because it seems to me, Mr Speaker, that they have broken the law. But if he is asking, if he's asking this Government to do what Labour usually want us to do and actively pitchfork away investment around the country from overseas, Mr Speaker, then that is not what we will do. We'll take them to court, we'll, we'll defend the rights of British workers. What we will not do, Mr Speaker, is launch a wholehearted campaign, as they would want, against overseas investment, because that is, that is completely wrong, and wrong for those workers, Mr Speaker. Well, DP World must be quaking in their boots. <laughs> The Prime Minister says how disappointed he is in them whilst handing them £50 million. Spe uh, Prime Minister said about the law, speaking of hollow reviews, as the law stands, it's not illegal to pay seafarers below the national minimum wage, even if, they're, even if they're working out of UK ports and in UK waters. Two years ago, Prime Minister, his government admitted that that was unjustifiable two years ago and promised two years ago, yes. you've guessed it, 
to review it. Yeah. Two years on, despite what he says today, nothing's been done, leaving the gate wide open for P&O. British workers don't need another empty review, they need action. So when will the Prime Minister fix that gap in the law? Mr Speaker, with great humility, I must ask the Right Honourable Gentleman to listen to the answer that I gave uh, to the first question, uh, because it, it would then help him uh, to scrap his third or fourth question and try another one. Uh, we, are, we are going to address the, uh, the defects in the 1998 Living Wage Act, uh, Minimum Wage Act, and make sure that everybody, everybody serving everybody serving in the UK exclusive economic zone, working in the UK exclusive economic zone, gets paid the living wage as people do in the rest of the country. Here's Starber. The problem is that's what he said two years ago. It didn't happen. A P&O took advantage of the gap left wide open by this Prime Minister. P&O's behaviour comes off the back of a string of fire and rehire cases. Profitable companies threatening to fire workers unless they accept a pay cut. The Prime Minister keeps telling us just how opposed he is to fire and rehire. But as we saw on Monday, as we saw, Mr Speaker, as we saw on Monday, he doesn't have the backbone to ban it. Whilst he sits on his hands, more and more workers are having their lives thrown upside down by this appalling practice. What good to them is a Prime Minister who's all mouth and no trousers? Yeah. Well, Speaker, the, the, the most notable practitioners of, of fire and rehire are, of course, the Labour Party uh, themselves. Uh, but but I, I can, uh, he, he, may be interested, he may be interested to know we will be vindicating the rights of, of British workers, uh, UK employees, under uh, UK law. But the, the law that the P&O, the company themselves, are allegedly relying on uh, was introduced, I can tell him, as a result of EU directives. And, uh, and uh, never, uh, never, forget, never forget, Mr Speaker, uh, and he may not like it, that's the reality. He would have kept us, he would have kept us unable to change it, unable to get out of it. Uh, he would have made it impossible for us to protect UK employees in the way that we're going to do. But what we're doing, Mr Speaker, above all, is ensuring uh, that workers in this country have the best protection of all, which is a job, Mr Speaker. And uh, under this government, thanks to the steps that we have taken, thanks to the stewardship of the economy by my right honourable friend, which you'll be hearing about in a little bit more, Mr Speaker. We have people in payroll employment, 600,000 more of them than before the pandemic began. He can complain all he likes, but on Monday he ordered all of his lot to abstain on a vote to ban fire and rehire. And they all, they all did. And then, Mr Speaker... To add insult to injury, after the vote, his party posted a message saying that, where possible, they will look to find P&O workers new jobs. Pathetic. Pathetic. They don't want new jobs. They want their old jobs back. They don't want a Prime Minister hoisting the white flag. They want him to fight for their livelihoods. 82,000 seafarers in this country... I've spoken to dockers, engineers, deckhands and sailors. They're all worried about what this means for them. This morning, one of them said to me, if P&O can get away with this, other companies will get rid of us too and replace us with cheap labour from abroad. 
Why does the Prime Minister think that they will take a crumb of comfort from his half-assed bluster and waffle today? Mr Speaker, P&O plainly aren't going to get away with it any more than any more than any more uh, any more than any other company that, that treats its employees in that scandalous way, uh, Mr. Speaker. And uh, this, is a, this is a historic moment for this country, actually, uh, because it's now two years since uh, two years to the day uh, that we went into lockdown. And uh, that plunged this country into the biggest, uh, deepest loss of output that we've seen uh, in our lifetimes. And uh, thanks to the Chancellor, who protected the economy, who protected jobs, who protected companies, uh, we've now been able to come out faster and more effectively than any other comparable economy. We have unemployment back down to 3.9%. We have 600,000 more people on the payroll, Mr Speaker. And the best assurance we can give workers around the country is that the economy is now bigger than it was before the pandemic began. And we will continue to get the big calls right uh, as we got the big calls right uh, during the pandemic. They got the big calls wrong. They would do absolutely nothing to protect workers, let alone P&O workers, uh, Mr Speaker, because, because not only would they have kept us in lockdown and kept those ships in port, Mr Speaker, unable to move, that's the reality, kept those ships in port, but Mr Speaker, there has never been a Labour government that left left office with unemployment lower than when they began. That is the reality, and that's their record on jobs. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I strongly support the Government's intention to make England smoke-free by 2030, but on the current trajectory, we're going to miss that target. It is vital that we encourage or discourage young people from starting to smoke, and encourage people that smoke already to give up. So does my right honourable friend agree with me that it's now time to raise the age of legal sale of tobacco products from 18 to 21 and impose a levy on the profits of the big tobacco companies to raise £700 million that we can put to smoking cessation services on the basis that the polluter must pay? Uh, well, thank you. I th- thank you very much. Uh, and uh, he is absolutely right about smoking. It's the biggest single cause of preventable death in this in this country. Uh, as you'll know, Javed Khan OBE is undertaking an independent review uh, of smoking, and I'm sure he will want to uh, take uh, my honourable friend's uh, suggestions into account. SMP spokesman, leader of the SMP in Blackford. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In a matter of seconds, at 12:16, a aircraft is due to depart Heathrow Airport, a Virgin Atlantic aircraft, to go to Warsaw to pick up 50 young orphans that have left Ukraine that are coming to spend the next period of their life in Scotland with the sanctuary that we can offer them. And I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone that has helped to make sure that we can offer a new start to these young people away from the war, and in particular the, the governments in, in London and in Edinburgh, and in particular to thank the Immigration Minister, uh, uh, the Member for Torbay, and the Refugee Minister in the House of Lords, Lord Harrington. This is a, a good day for these 50 young people, but let's hope that it's the beginning of something much more significant for many more young people that we can offer sanctuary to. Mr Speaker, this morning we have official confirmation that inflation is at its highest level in 30 years. 
But families don't need official confirmation to know that the cost of food and energy are now at a price they simply can't afford. The very people who have borne the brunt of the health pandemic are now being hammered by the poverty pandemic. This is not just a cost of living crisis, this is an emergency. That is why in Scotland the SNP government is doubling the Scottish child payment and raising benefits it controls by 6%, double the rate the Chancellor has proposed for the benefits he has control over. So this is a very simple question for the Prime Minister. If he truly understands that this is an emergency, will he match the Scottish Government's commitment and lift all benefits by 6%? Prime Minister. Uh, I thank him very much. And the, the, uh, we, are, we all recognise the uh, inflation, global inflation uh, is causing uh, a real cost of living crisis, not just here but around uh, the world. In, in the US, inflation is now running at uh, more than 8%. Uh, we're, we're at uh, the levels in other European countries. We're doing everything we can to help people. Uh, the Chancellor's put another £9.1 billion into uh, reducing the cost of energy uh, for families. Uh, but but, uh, but I, and I, I don't know quite what he's shouting out, Mr Speaker, but uh, what we want to do more. And Scotland, uh, I can tell him, is uh, in the lead in helping this country to solve its energy uh, problems, uh, not just with more offshore wind, uh, Mr Speaker, but by uh, abandoning the, the phobia of our own hydrocarbons, which I think are going to be vital uh, for transition and avoid us being blackmailed uh, by Putin's Russia. And, uh, and on, uh, on his point about the, uh, the orphans, Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm grateful to him for, uh, for his efforts. I thank him. And it's another example, if I may say, uh, without uh, embarrassing him further of the burgeoning cooperation uh, between us. Well, well, of course, Mr Speaker, we want to make sure we open our doors in Scotland and, and, and welcome refugees, that we have that generosity of, of spirit, but we'll leave that there for, for now. Can, can, I, can I say to the Prime Minister that inflation is at 6% and increasing? We need to make sure that those the most vulnerable have that increase in benefits that they need in order to pay for fuel. And the Chancellor needs to ditch the official photographer and listen to Martin Lewis. <laughs> family finances are at breaking point. They can't tighten their budgets anymore. These families have no room for manoeuvre. But the truth is that the Chancellor does. Lower borrowing and increased taxes means that he's sitting with £20 billion to spend today. But instead, this Chancellor is making a political choice, the choice to push people further into hardship by hiking taxes, cutting universal credit and giving companies free reign to slash workers' pay through fire and rehire. So the test for the Prime Minister is this. Will the Government use the full £20 billion they are sitting on to scrap the national insurance tax hike and put money into people's pockets, or will we simply make this Tory poverty pandemic even worse? Prime Minister. I just uh, advise uh, Mystic Meg uh, over here that uh, we, we have only, he, has, he has only ten minutes uh, to wait before he'll have the answer to that question, Mr. Speaker. Ian Sterling. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I warmly welcome the improvements to our national Ukraine refugee response. But in the weeks since these improved measures, numbers fleeing Putin's invasion have sadly doubled to 3.5 million and are expected to go even higher. So does the Prime Minister agree our response must still move much, much faster, with a shift to processing applications in the UK 
cutting the red tape and bureaucracy so we can match the scale of Europe's worst humanitarian crisis since the Second World War. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think he's, I think he's right that uh, we are going to uh, see many more people coming here, and he's right that the instincts of this country are to be as generous as possible, and that's why uh, we've made sure that applications can now be uh, processed online uh, very quickly, uh, Mr Speaker, so people can come here uh, with their passports, and uh, under the family reunion scheme alone, I think the numbers are now running in excess of 16,000 uh, people coming here. Kenny McCaskill. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Whilst Ofgem can cap rising gas and electricity bills, other fuels such as heating oil, LPG and solid fuel remain unregulated. Many households in rural Scotland depend on such fuels. There are also areas awash with energy, both on and offshore, yet with huge and rising numbers in fuel poverty. Will the Prime Minister regulate and cap such fuels to alleviate hardship and end the perversity of energy-rich Scotland? But fuel poor Scots. Uh, well, I, I, I thank him very much, and uh, I think he's right that uh, energy rich uh, Scotland and the, the hydrocarbons that uh, uh, we have in this country should be used uh, to help the British people, and that uh, uh, we shouldn't be needlessly reliant on oil and gas from, from Putin's Russia. And uh, I think that's the policy of, uh, of ALBA, uh, and uh, it's, unfortunately, it's not yet the policy of the, of the SNP. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm so proud to represent a vibrant Ukrainian community in Huddersfield and Colm Valley. And this Friday at the Ukrainian Club in Huddersfield, they'll be collecting medical supply donations to send to Ukraine and the surrounding nations. Will the Prime Minister join me in thanking all of our community in West Yorkshire who have rallied round their Ukrainian neighbours and friends and also continue to put the UK at the forefront of donations of not only humanitarian and medical supplies, but also the military aid that is allowing the Ukrainian people to fight so bravely against Putin and his cronies. I thank you very much. I thank the Ukrainian community in Yorkshire for everything they're doing. Of course, the Ukrainian community is up and down the country, and the, the people of this country as a whole. I am proud that we are the, uh, the biggest uh, bilateral donor, I think, other than the United States, uh, in aid to, to Ukraine. And yes, I'm also proud, as I know the whole House is, of the work that is being done continuously to give the Ukrainians the, the tools they need to defend themselves. Graeme Stringer. Mr Speaker, the Football Association are refusing to move the semi-final between Liverpool and Manchester City uh, from Wembley. There are no trains from the North West that day, which means 50,000 or 60,000 people will have to go by road. Bad for the fans, bad for the environment. Unfortunately, uh, this is typical of the insensitivity of the FA, who think that uh, fit and proper people to run our football clubs are Russian kleptocrats and people who are wanted for human rights abuses. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that now is the time to legislate to set up an independent regulator uh, for football with fan involvement? Prime Minister. 
Uh, well, uh, I thank you very much. I, I, I'm not going to uh, comment on the travel arrangements for the particular uh, match, though, uh, though, though uh, the deputy leader of the Labour Party uh, uh, shouts for me to secure her a train. I'll do, I mean, I'm sure that everybody has heard, the, the FA will have heard the message uh, that, that, he's, that he's given. Uh, but what I, what I can say, Mr Speaker, is I do agree uh, with uh, my, uh, my honourable friend who's just conducted a review uh, on the matter, uh, uh, that we should indeed have an independent uh, regulator for football. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is a great champion for steel, and we've just had a news on the removal of the US steel tariffs. Will he reaffirm the commitment he made at the dispatch box on the 31st of January that the Chancellor will bring forward a package of measures on our steel energy costs? And if the Chancellor isn't able to make good on that commitment today, Will he ensure he does so as soon as he can? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with her uh, passionately, and I think that it is vital that uh, we undo the damage done by the insane uh, policies of the, of the Labour government, the previous Labour government, that whacked up the cost of, of energy for British industry, including steel. Uh, I will be bringing forward a British energy security strategy, uh, Mr. Speaker, that will address. Uh, the needs of British steel, uh, British ceramics, and the whole of British industry. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm sure the Prime Minister will share my delight that Bradford has been shortlisted to be the UK City of Culture 2025 and will want to offer his support for our bid. It would bring immense benefits and kudos to Britain's youngest city. With over 120 languages spoken across Bradford, its unique cultural heritage, diversity, and let's not forget the amazing food. The birthplace of David Hockney and the Brontes, Bradford has it all, apart from Mr Speaker, government support. One practical way in which he could help is reverse the Transport Secretary's snub to Bradford in the Integrated Rail Plan. So I ask the Prime Minister, will he look again at this and commit to delivering a real Northern Powerhouse Rail, including a stop in Bradford City? Mr Speaker, I congratulate Bradford on on being uh, shortlisted in the way that uh, uh, that wonderful city has been, but I think she's wrong about what the Integrated Rail Plan said, because already... Uh, already it's committing uh, to cut the journey times just from memory uh, from Leeds to Bradford from 20 minutes to 12 minutes if I if I remember correctly uh, and and Mr Speaker uh, we are continuing to look at, at ways of making sure that high speed rail goes direct to Bradford Alan Kern. thank you uh, Mr Speaker the horrifying effects events in Ukraine must be central to our focus and we should do all possible to stand together in support A war in Europe also has challenging domestic outcomes with higher energy costs, rising food prices and effects on supplies and inflation and across the economy in general. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that this is a time where we need to come together as a nation and anyone seeking to weaponise Putin's deliberate and calculated consequences of the war will only undermine the unity of our nation at a time when Europe is in crisis. Prime Minister. I I thank my right honourable friend very much for what he has said, and I think that one of the most important things that has uh, confounded Vladimir Putin has not only been the uh, the resistance of the Ukrainians, the heroic resistance of the Ukrainians, but the unity of the, uh, of the, of the rest of the world and, the, the, I must say so far, the relative unity, the important unity of this House. Rebecca Long-Bailey. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister has been very supportive of nuclear testing veterans. 
So I'm sure he will be shocked that today the Mirror has uncovered 140 pages of data previously hidden in a footnote of a 1988 government report. There's now concern that the High Court and this House may have been inadvertently misinformed in 2008 when told that only 159 men in UK nuclear weapons tests were exposed to dangerous radiation when today's data shows exposure numbers were actually 2,314. Will he urgently investigate this and arrange to meet personally in Downing Street with my constituent, her granddad and other nuclear testing veterans to bring an end to this national scandal? Prime Minister. Well, I thank the Honourable Member very much for bringing uh, those uh, facts uh, new facts uh, to the attention of the House, and I know that my, uh, my office has already been in touch with the group concerned to make sure that we have a, a proper meeting, uh, and I hope very much that, uh, that she will be there and uh, we will be able to discuss uh, all the issues that she's raised. Percy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I begin by thanking the Government and the Home Secretary, in particular as Chair of the APPG on surrogacy, for her work to bring, a, to bring Ukrainian surrogates to safety here. Sadly, in my role as Chair of the APPG on anti-Semitism, the news isn't so positive. Uh, we heard from Jewish students recently who are suffering record uh, anti-Semitic attacks on university campuses, including allegations of them being marked down by their own professors. This is completely outrageous, and you would expect the NUS to be on their side, but instead of helping those students, the NUS has been uh, inviting somebody who is engaged in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, a rapper, to a conference. Can the Prime Minister do everything in his power to ensure campuses are a safe place for British Jewish students? Prime Minister. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I think that uh, our universities uh, for far too long have uh, been uh, tolerant of casual or indeed systematic uh, anti-Semitism, and uh, that's why uh, it is very important that we now have uh, and I hope that uh, uh, everybody understands the need for change and for rapid and irreversible change, uh, but it's also important that we have an, an anti-Semitism task force uh, devoted uh, to rooting out anti-Semitism uh, in education at all levels. Mary Kelly Foy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last week, the Government did nothing to stop P&O ferries sacking 800 seafarers on the spot. On the same day, the Work and Pensions Minister was forced to come to the House to announce over 1,100 DWP job losses and 42 centre closures, risking a further 7,000 jobs, including 1,300 in the North East. Working people are once again being hammered by this Government in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis, causing genuine suffering. Why won't the Prime Minister act to protect local communities from losing real high-quality jobs? Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, I, re I renew my sympathies with the, the case of the, with the P&O uh, workers, and I've explained to the House what we're, what we're doing, uh, and, we, and we will. Uh, but what we're also doing, Mr Speaker, is helping uh, the workforce up and down the country to get the, the coaching they need. We've doubled the number of work coaches, Mr Speaker, and uh, what we're seeing is uh, employment uh, climbing. We're seeing uh, vacancies growing. Uh, Mr Speaker, we are helping this country into work, and that's what Conservatives do. Steve Bryan. go about their lives or even get to work because their driving licences are stuck at the DVLA. <laughs> Would the Prime Minister make it clear at the dispatch box that the service from the agency falls significantly below what we expect? And would he ask the Transport Secretary to meet with me and any other member of this House? I think we may need a big room 
to explain how we can help them out of the hole they've put themselves in. Absolutely. Prime Minister. Uh, yeah, yes, Mr Speaker, I think like, like everybody in this House, I've read some uh, surprising things about uh, what's been going on at the DVLA. Uh, I do think that we need to make sure that they give, uh, they're given every possible encouragement and support uh, to expedite uh, the, the supply of driving licences uh, to the people of this country. Western. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's nice to see the Prime Minister back. Uh, I missed him last week. Um, <laughs> Fantasy Castle, perhaps Snow White too. Certainly, girls, girls, girls were promised at a party. Less burlesque, more Berlusconi. According to a former minister, it seems the Prime Minister has been entertained at these bunga bunga parties hosted by his close friend, a, Rus a Russian oligarch. Given his many weaknesses, could leave him open to blackmail. Why does the Prime Minister think that MI6? Why does the Prime Minister? Why does the Prime Minister think that MI6 may not entirely trust him? Well, uh, Mr. Speaker, I'm afraid I. I, I missed. I, 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 last week I wasn't here to benefit from one of his elaborately confected uh, questions. Uh, I, 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 admire, I admire his style, uh, Mr. Speaker. I, I, I'm afraid I simply failed to detect any any crouton of substance in the minist the, the ministroni of nonsense uh, that he just spoke of. Football, a town yeah. evolving in aspiration, prosperity, and creativity whilst retaining its Welsh identity. Can the Prime Minister congratulate Wrexham yeah. on being shortlisted for the City of Culture? Well, Mr. Speaker, Wrexham's uh, not only uh, the city of shortlisted for the City of Culture and all the, with all the distinctions that she mentions, but it is also the city of vaccines, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, because without the, without the AstraZeneca vaccines bottled in Wrexham, we wouldn't be uh, where well, literally wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. Mr Speaker, former Treasury Minister Lord Agnew has described the Chancellor's failure on Covid fraud as one of the most colossal cock-ups in recent government management and taxpayers are paying for it. We now know the Chancellor's failure has cost the country £11.8 billion, almost exactly the same as the amount national insurance is going to be increased on working people in the coming year. Does the Prime Minister think it is fair to demand working people pay the bill for the Chancellor's failures? Mr. Speaker, I remember him when he was doing planning at Islington Council, and a complete cock-up he made of that. Uh, but what I can tell him is that this, is that this government uh, has made sure that we got the PPE, we got the supplies that were needed in record time, and that was absolutely vital. And at a time, Mr. Speaker, when they were calling on us uh, to, go, to go further and faster, I'll never forget. Under, under the last Labour government, there was £23 billion uh, lost in fraud every year. Angela Richardson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 
Um, I welcome the important interim report from Dr Hilary Cass, in which she highlights the need for more research into our young girls, why so many of them are presenting with gender distress. Will my right honourable friend agree to meet with me and other concerned colleagues to discuss how we can constructively support these young people who are experiencing gender distress? Prime Minister. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, I would be very happy to uh, meet with my, uh, with my honourable friend. And I think that this is one of those uh, issues that uh, the whole House is coming to realise is uh, one that requires extreme uh, sensitivity, tact, love uh, and care. We must recognise that when people uh, make a, uh, want to make a transition in their lives that they should be treated with the maximum possible generosity and, and respect. And we have systems in this country uh, that uh, allow that for, and have done for a long time. We should be very proud of it. But I, I, just do, I do want to say, in addition, Mr. Speaker, that I think when it comes uh, to uh, distinguishing between uh, a man and a woman, uh, that the basic facts of, of biology remain overwhelmingly important, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister met the Chairman of P&O Owners, DP World, to discuss setting up a free port in London. And just last year, the Foreign Secretary met DP World as well. DP World run ports in the UK which employ more than 600 workers. So if the Prime Minister wants to remove the latest suspicion of his conflicts of interest, will he tell his Dubai millionaire friends that if they want contracts to run free ports here, they must reinstate P&O workers and guarantee the jobs of DP World Workers 2. We need to use more moderate and temperate language in this term. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I have over one, uh, one overwhelming interest, and that is to protect and preserve the jobs and livelihood of the British people. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we'll do with the P&O workers, but we'll also make sure that we continue to attract overseas investment in the record overseas investment in the record ways that we currently are. They would, they would drive it away. We won't, Mr. Speaker. Shall This year marks the 50th anniversary of the expulsion of Asians from Uganda, the country where I was born. Under Ted Heath's government, people across the country opened up their homes for many of these Asians, who then settled and become, became part of the fabric of our great nation. That British generosity is again being seen as people open up their homes for people fleeing Ukraine as they come to our country. May I urge the Prime Minister to pick up those files from 50 years ago, wipe off the dust and take on board those positive lessons so we can ensure that the Homes for Ukraine scheme has the maximum success. Yeah. Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, and uh, I think the whole country can be proud of the, uh, the way the UK uh, welcomed people fleeing Idi Amin's uh, Uganda, and I, I'm sure that there are many members of the, of the House, or several members of the House, and I know the Home Secretary herself, uh, her family was a beneficiary uh, of, of that scheme and that moment. This country is overwhelmingly generous to people fleeing uh, in fear of their lives, uh, we will continue to be so. 800 British workers sacked over Zoom by P&O 
owned by the government of Dubai to, re to be replaced with foreign exploited agency workers on less than two quid an hour. The Prime Minister can pass an instrument now to close the loophole so that the national minimum wage applies on UK international routes. Is he going to stand up for British workers or the oil state dictator Dubai? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I'm grateful for uh, his question and I, uh, I knew he was going to ask it uh, and he was right to ask it. I anticipated his question earlier on. We're going to make sure that everybody working in the, everybody working in the UK exclusive economic zone gets paid the living wage and Mr Speaker will do it as fast as we possibly can with their assistance. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. I, welcome, I welcome the Prime Minister's commitment to take legal action to hold P&O Ferries and DP World to account yeah, yeah. and I call again on them to reverse their action and reinstate the workers yeah. Yeah. Dover and Kent are already badly affected by this business, including on the roads and business community. Will my right honourable friend meet with me to discuss specific support for our affected area, including a to upgrade for the national transport links and the East Kent Enterprise Zone to cover and include the Port of Dover? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, 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 she's right in what she says about the about PO and about uh, the 800 workers, and uh, I, I will make sure that she gets all the meetings she needs uh, about uh, to make sure that uh, Dover, we continue with all our fantastic investments uh, in Dover, whether uh, transport or uh, education or, or otherwise.